0: Nedarim Daf A couple of interesting Mishnayot today. Matitin Hamudad Hanaa Let's say I make a vow that I will receive no benefit from you. Right? I'm not friends anymore. Not receiving benefit. I got angry for some reason. Lo I cannot lend you something, my lawnmower, Velo mimenu. nor can I borrow your lawnmower. Now, the second one, we understand makes sense. I said that I won't receive benefit from you, therefore it makes sense that I cannot borrow your lawnmower and use it. I'm getting benefit. The question is, how come I cannot lend you my lawnmower? I'm not going to ask this question. Uh, second case: loyal venu, velo mi I cannot. Uh, lend money to you, nor can I borrow money for, from you. And again, here I understand why I can't borrow money from you because then I am benefiting from being able to use that money. Thank you for right for your loan. So I can't do that. But how come I am not allowed to lend money to you? I will ask that question too. Nor may I sell something to you, nor can I buy anything from you. Um, so this one we can understand. And better because here there is a trade right I'm giving you money and I'm getting merchandise or the other way around in that case I am receiving either I'm getting money from you and so I'm happy that I made a sale or I buy something from you and I'm happy that I got that merchandise so in a sale and a purchase Both sides presumably are benefiting, right? You want the money more than the merchandise or, right? You want the merchandise more than the money if you're the seller. And so it makes sense for both. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through the transaction. So this one, I think, makes sense that right? even if the vow is only one way, uh, still, I would be benefiting from you, um, whether I'm the buyer or the seller. But the first two are a challenge. And so, Gemanael is going to ask, I understand why I can't borrow from you because then I am benefiting from you. But why can't you borrow from me? What would be the problem there? In what, in what way am I benefiting if I lend you money? And the Gemma says, you know what, even if I could explain the lending case and the sale case. So the sale case, I already explained both sides are benefiting and in the lending case also we can explain how one is benefiting you see even if i am borrowing money from you um, well then in that case for sure I'm, I'm, I'm benefiting even in the case that i lend money to you so i have coins that i'm giving you to kind of hold for me in a way you're being my bank by holding my money and keeping it safe. In addition, in the olden days, uh, their coins, even if a coin said it was worth one shekel, uh, say one dollar, still the coin itself may can become debased. Right? The coin was based on a certain weight of, let's say, silver. And what people would do often is they would chip off a little of the edge of the coin so that they can get a little silver and it's still worth a dollar because it says a dollar on it. And so, if I give you some coins that maybe were a little debased, I may benefit because when you pay me back, I'll insist, "Hey, I want you to give me full coins, and so I can actually receive back even though I lent you you know ten coins and you give me back ten coins, you're not giving me back giving me back the same coins that I gave you, and so I can give you deteriorated coins and you give me back better coins, so I could still be benefiting from giving you the money. Also, you kept it safe that whole time. Maybe, you know, someone um, um, mugged me in the meantime and they didn't have that money. So now you held the money for me. And so even if I could explain those two cases, I am receiving some benefit uh, from you, so still not allowed. But if, uh, if you're just borrowing my lawnmower, right? how am I benefiting in any way by get, letting you use my lawnmower for a couple of hours, right? You're just giving me back the same lawnmower that I sent you, gave you now, just with a little more usage on it. Uh, so, which is worse? So, well, how can we explain that case? So, we're gonna have two answers. The first one is it must be the Mishnah is talking about a case where we both made a vow against each other. It wasn't a one-way vow. I said you can't benefit from me and you said the other way around. And so that's why um, I can't borrow from you and you can't borrow from me. Okay, it's got to be a case like that. Otherwise, we couldn't explain it. Other answer, Abaya says that case of borrowing an, an item, is actually a gazeta. The truth is that if I make a vow not to bend, I'm not gonna um, that I'm not going to uh, benefit from you. So really, it just means that I can't borrow yours. The thing is, uh, but I can lend you my lawnmower. The thing is, if I lend you my lawnmower, then it's kind of likely that uh, that you'll reciprocate. And that when I need something, I need um. And I can borrow a hammer, I'm gonna go and, and, and ask for the hammer. And in this case, it's not so clear where that where the prohibition is. Since after all, there's not like a gift. See, if I give you a gift of food, then that's clear, right? That I'm I'm giving you benefit. And so even if I can do that to you, then you won't be able to give me back a gift. Because everybody knows a gift is clearly something that is giving benefit. But in this case, if I'm just giving you my lawnmower and I'm getting back the same lawnmower, so then there's really no tangible financial benefit you can say and so if, uh, if it goes one way and then I need a hammer I'm going to borrow the hammer from you and figure hey even though I made a vow that I can't I can't benefit from you but I'm just using your hammer for a minute and I'm going to give it back and you didn't lose anything I didn't gain any monetary benefit it's not like I, I, um, I sold the hammer or anything and so one might think it will be allowed and that's why the Mishnah says even if the vow only goes one way. Uh, Once it goes one way we have to make a gezerah that we prohibited to borrow something the other way also uh, in order not to be confusing and once we accept this answer we can apply it to all of the other cases as well um, including the sale and the lending of money. So even though technically if I say I'm not going to benefit from you I could still lend you money but um, there also we might make a gazera and think that uh, if it's uh, it, it, that um, uh, if I lend you money and that's permitted because I said I can give I can give you benefit I just won't receive benefit you might think oh well you know when then when when you need money when I need money I'll borrow from you and I might think the same way maybe it's maybe it's technically okay because I'm just giving you money I'm getting it back I'm not giving you a gift right in the end it's net zero so you might think that's not could call the benefit but it is called a benefit. One way and therefore we have to prepare it both ways in order for no one to get confused okay next mishnah okay someone who will call him a land uh, needs a needs a cow to plow his land and he goes to the cow owner and says can you lend me your cow and the cow owner says sorry my cow is not available Now, the landowner becomes upset and makes a vow. He says, my field will be prohibited to me like a korban and that I will not plow it forever. He's so fed up because he can't get this cow. He doesn't have another cow. And so he just makes a vow. I'm not going to, you know what? I give up. I'm not going to plow my field. All right. So he makes this kind of rash vow that really only hurts himself but I guess he wants to show his friend how upset he is, and uh, what would be the result of that? If this landowner, if he was a hands-on kind of guy and he actually did the plowing personally himself, then that means that the vow only applied to him, I will not plow this field forever, but he can get a friend or workers to plow the field for him. But if this farm owner, he just owns the the farm, but he doesn't actually do the work himself personally. Well then, when he said, I'm not going to plow the field at all forever, he didn't mean himself because he never plows the field. What he meant is, no one is, will be able to plow my field forever. And so therefore, not only him, but any, not, not, uh, he, the vow applies both to himself and to all people, um, uh, because that must be what he meant. All right. Hamudaran Amechabedoven Law Mayochal. Okay, so another case where someone makes a vow but it's kind of rash and in the end they feel bad about it. I mean in these cases it could be possible that you could go to a rabbi and undo the vow, but we're talking about he didn't undo the he didn't do that, he didn't undo the vow. But well, maybe the rabbi says you can't and so he wants to find some loophole around it. So here's the second case. Uh, Someone gets angry at his friend and says, I'm not going to give you benefit at all. But turns out the friend becomes poor, down and out, and he has nothing to eat. The friend is starving. And so the one who made the vow feels bad, right? And even though they got into a fight, he says, I'm not going to give you anything. He just meant in regular relationship. He doesn't want to see his friend starve. So what can he do to be able to feed his poor friend uh, without without violating the vow, so the person who made the vow can go to the grocery store, to the grocer, and say, "Listen, this guy, poor this poor guy, I made a vow that I cannot give him any benefit, but I don't know what to do because he's he's really he's really hungry." That's it. He drops a hint to the grocer. And then, Then the grocer will give that guy food uh, for free and just, you know, uh, uh, leave it at that. And then the person who made the vow uh, uh, will come uh, and then the grocer will then come and he can take payment from the person who made the vow. So this is okay because since he's not telling him directly, hey, you know, grocer, you give the poor guy food. If he tells him directly, then that's not allowed because then, The grocer is a messenger on behalf of the person who made the vow and the person who made the vow cannot give benefit, not directly and not even through a messenger. But here, he's not telling the grocer directly. He's like, grocer, whatever you want to do. So the grocer of his own goodwill, uh, gives the guy food for free. And then technically, The grocer would not have a legal claim against the guy who made the vow. He couldn't take him to court and said, you told me to give the food, right? pay me back. There's no legal claim because the the guy who made the vow actually did not command him to do so. He just said, I don't know what to do. So they have an unspoken uh, agreement that's not legally binding. And therefore, the grocer is not the messenger of the person who made the vow but there is an agreement of gentlemen's agreement and then the person who made the vow will go and pay the grocer back and that is a legal loophole similar case hayabeto libnot Similarly, if one guy made a vow against his friend, I'm not going to give you any benefit. But in the end, he calms down, and he actually wants to help his friend. His friend is building a house, or making a fence, or harvesting his grain. Um, And uh, the guy who made the vow wants to give him a hand, but he can't because he made the vow. So here's what he can do. He can go to the workers, where the worker, the day laborers hang out in front of Home Depot, and he could say, listen, you can go and say, listen, this guy over there, he's building a house. He's my friend. But I made a vow against him. And so I can't help him out. I'm not sure what to do he just leaves it open uh, up in the air the workers will get the hint and they'll go to the house they'll put in a day's labor and help him build the house and then they can come and collect their wages from the person who made the vow and again because he's not saying it directly he's not appointing them as a messenger um and the the person who made the vow would have no legal obligation to pay them right if he decides no i'm not paying you they couldn't bring him to court. Um, but uh, they're just doing it based on uh, based on trust. And therefore, they're not directly messengers. They're doing the guy a favor. And then the uh, person who made the vow, if he wants, he can pay them, and that would be a legal loophole. Okay, now back to the case of the guy who's hungry, but same thing, um, the person who made the vow uh, made a vow that he's not going to give his friend anything, but this time there's no shopkeeper around. Uh, so they're just walking. They're walking on the way. They're traveling, um, and uh, this the friend against whom the vow was made has no food. Um, but the person who made the vow has plenty of food, and he wants to help him. So what they should do is if there's a third party there, the person who made the vow, give it to the third party as a gift. Here, this, this sandwich is yours. And then, hopefully, that third party will, if he wants to, give it to the poor person. And again, the vow the person who made the vow is not saying, is not saying here, uh, do me a favor and give this to the poor person. That would be prohibited because then, the person who made the vow is making the third party a messenger and that would violate the vow. But if he gives it to the third party as a gift, technically, the third party guy could eat the sandwich himself if he wants, um, but hopefully he'll see what's going on, and he'll give it to the poor guy, and then that poor the poor friend would be permitted. But what if there is no third party around? Only the person who made the vow and the poor guy is not necessarily poor. Could just be just uh, he forgot his he forgot his lunch at home. Point is he's hungry and he has no food, and the person who made the vow has extra food. So then, what should he do if there's no third party? So the person who made the vow can take the sandwich, put it on a rock. Exactly or put it on top of the fence. Just put it anywhere and say, listen, this is Hefkir. This is ownerless. He makes an announcement. Anyone who wants can come and take this. Now, there's no one around for, for 10 miles. So it's not like you know, like, like 100 people are going to come and steal it um, uh, or take it. Rather, the, uh, only his friend is there. But since he did it in this roundabout way, he's not giving it to him directly. And theoretically, if there were other people there, they could take it, right? Or the friend could not take it and someone tomorrow will, will come and take it from off the so this is permitted um, because first he's making it ownerless. So the rock would be the equivalent of the third party. However, if it be or said or said, a be said disagrees and thinks that you cannot do with this um this does not work in the last case. This is too much of a, a, a legal fiction, a fake loophole, right? Come on, who are you kidding? You're just putting it on a rock? Who has nobody else there? What do you mean someone's going to take it? All right, so we're going to spend, spend this week out, uh, analyzing the opinion of the B.O.C., Why exactly does he prohibit? We'll see a couple of explanations. How come Rebiyose says this is no good? So Rebiyose thinks that making something ownerless works kind of like giving a gift. Just like if I give someone a gift, the Transaction is not complete until it gets to the domain of the receiver. Um, and should uh, not from the the giver to the receiver, right? In other words, as if I just sent it, but it didn't get anywhere yet, right? If I, let's say, threw it and it's midair, um, but but you did not receive it. The 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 receiver did not acquire it, pick it up in his, put it in his. Uh, in his domain or anything, then the transaction is still not complete. So too, Hefker, even if I say something, this is ownerless, I still own it until someone else comes and picks it up. Right? This will have a lot of important consequences if I um, have a, you know, a barrel of wine. I put in the middle of the street and I say, this is ownerless. Now, if someone comes and knocks into the barrel of wine and hurts themselves, I'm still responsible, right? Even though I said it's ownerless, but it doesn't matter, right? I'm still responsible for it. It's actually still mine unless someone else comes. If someone else comes and picks it up, and, uh, and takes it and they move it to somewhere else in the street and then someone knocks, knocks, uh, bumps into it, then that person will be responsible. right So as long as I uh, make it Hefker, ownerless, that just means that someone else is allowed to come take it and won't be stealing. But it doesn't leave my property and my responsibility until it gets to their property. And therefore, applying that to this case, two people are traveling, the The guy who made the vow takes the sandwich puts it on a rock and says it's ownerless actually he still owns it um, until someone else takes it since he still owns it when the poor friend takes it he's taking it basically directly from the person who made the vow and that will violate the terms of the vow so you can't do this in other words he says, says that making something ownerless is not the same as giving it to a third party third party is fine because there the person who made the vow gave it to the third party the third party received it transaction is complete it's no longer in the possession of the vower that's fine but not with Hifkid. Okay, we're going to have a couple of questions on this statement of Rabbi Hanan and his explanation of Rabbi Seh that something making something ownerless does not transfer the ownership until someone receives it. First question, Mativ debi Abba. Vahala We have a breita um, uh, that uh, is parallel to the Mishnah. That same case. Right? Put us on the rock, and the other guy takes it, and he can eat it, and that will be okay according to Tanakama. V'tabi oser oser. V'tabi No, you cannot do that. But in this Baraita we have a continuing uh, section of a conversation. Amar um, Ematai, not a conversation, Rebiyoseh gives a clarification. Rebiyoseh uh, says, Ematai, when do I say it's prohibited? Bizman nidro, kodem Only when the vow ha- what happened before he made it uh, ownerless. So they made the vow yesterday. This guy made a vow. They got into a fight. He got into a fight. And he said, I'm not going to benefit you anything uh, forever or for the next year and then the next day they're walking on the way and you have to do this and he puts it on the rock that's no good it doesn't work uh, but but if the making that uh, if he made the item ownerless before the nedr that would be okay right if for some reason i had some extra food we we're walking on the way and i had some extra food before we didn't get into a fight right we're good friends I have some extra food. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put it here and anyone who wants can come and take it. All right. Then we're sitting there and then we get into a fight. And, and then the guy who made the vow, the guy who got, one guy gets angry. The guy who put the food says, you cannot have any benefit from me. And, and then the, that person, uh, is there, they are there for a while and he gets hungry. Then that would be permitted, right? Because I made the item ownerless before um first, and only then made it prohibited. Now that's the end of the blightita. Let's analyze If you say that there something ownerless is not does not leave the domain of the giver until someone else actually takes it, then what's the difference if the vow was before the he, he renounced ownership or after he renounced ownership? It would be the same thing. So I put the sandwich on the rock first and then I made the that the I made then I made the vow that you can't um, have it, um, that you can't have anything from me. Um, so, it should be the same thing, because I still retain ownership to that sandwich. And then, when you take it, even though it's after the vow, you're taking it from me. So, it's to still be prohibited. So, sorry to be a your explanation does not fit with this bedaitah. That's the Abba's question. Who motive be Abba asked the question, but he came up with an answer also. Right? That's the best uh, type of answer, that uh, question, the one that comes with an answer. The answer is simple, that when the person, when that guy made the vow, he didn't have in mind that the vow would cover something that he already made ownerless. Um, if he did have it in mind, right? He, he could. He could say, um, you, "You cannot have any benefit from me, including that sandwich that I made ownerless." Okay. If he did that, there would be a problem. But we presume that if he made the item ownerless beforehand, that's it. He forgot about it. He doesn't want that sandwich. When he makes the vow, you cannot benefit anything from me. What he means in his mind is anything that i currently have in my backpack with me my property and he uh, is not including in the vow the thing item that he made ownerless so even though technically he still is connected to the sandwich on the rock because no one took it yet but he's not gonna have in mind that he's including that in the vow and that's why it's permitted whereas when it's the other way around when i make the vow first I'm, in, I'm including anything that I own, and only then I put my thing that I own onto the rock, so then that is included in the vow. All right, so we're able to answer that question. Uh, second question Mativ Rava, Mixatan la Rishon, la Sheni, Rishon Kana, Sheni Lokana. A little background to this case. When someone is on his deathbed, um, so he, he can he can give away gifts, and he doesn't have to write a will, right? We accept whatever he says as if it's written. Um, now it depends on what he says. If he gives away all of his money uh, on his deathbed, everything I have is going to go to that guy. Then, and he, let's say he gets better. If he gets better, then, we, then he can take it back, right? It's not binding because we, we assume that no one who is going to live is going to give away all of his money uh, because then he won't be, have anything to anything to eat. Um, so we presume that he only gave away all of his property to that guy because he was going to die. But it was more kind of like on condition. If I die, then I'll give it all to him. But if not, then oh, no, I don't want to I don't give him anything. So then he can take it back. However, if a person, even though he's on his deathbed, uh, says, I'm going to give that guy, let's say he owns $100, I'm going to give that guy $30, right? And then he gets better. He still has to give the $30, right? Because he kept some money for himself, um, that means he meant it. He wants to give him the $30 and the other $70 he's keeping for himself. That means he thought, maybe I will live. And so that, in that case, he has to give the $30 whether he gets better or not all right that's the background now we have a kind of combination if a person says on his deathbed um i'm going to give some of my money to one guy and all the rest to the other guy so again if he has a hundred dollars he says, i'm going to give thirty to mr a and all the rest of it which in that case would be seventy dollars is going to go to mr b and then he doesn't die he gets better what's the law the law is that the first one mr a gets the thirty dollars because that was a partial gift, um, of not of all of his property and a partial gift, all right, that we established works. Whereas the second one where he said all the rest of my money, that one, he does not, uh, get, he does not, uh, get the money, um, because in that case he got better and nobody would leave himself without any money. And we said, if you give away all of your property, and then you get and you get better. Then you, uh, the guy does not get it. He can take it back. So now the question is as follows: um, If Rabbi Yochanan, you said that if I make something ownerless, it doesn't transfer until that person actually receives it. In this case, you have to assume that the first guy um, actually did a did receive that that thirty dollars because here's why: if he if we consider it as if he did not yet receive the thirty dollars, even though when the, the guy on the deathbed kind of gave it to him and you know, made it ownerless, but the guy didn't receive it yet. If you think he didn't rec- did not receive it yet, then. Both A and B are only partial receivers. One only has part thirty dollars. One only has part seventy dollars. And since they're partial, so then um, neither of them should work. Um, th- sorry, then ne- both of them should work. They, they should get both of them because a partial gift of a death- someone on his deathbed does go through. So the fact that one works and one doesn't, that means that the one to A, $30, must be able be considered that to have gone through, that transaction was completed. And therefore, the one to B was all of his money. And since it's all of his money, that does not go through because someone who gives away all of his money on his deathbed, and then gets better, he can take it back. So this case only makes sense if the gift to A is a full gift, and that could only be true if you say that something that is declared ownerless actually goes to the other person, even if the other person did not yet take it, did not receive it. And that goes against Yohanan, who says that if something is declared ownerless, it's still owned by the owner. In this case, if it was still owned by the guy on his deathbed, then the second one wouldn't be, um, a. all the rest of it. it, would only be a partial gift also. And so that is Ravah's question. And therefore Ravah gives a new answer, a new explanation to the Bios. says, Rabiose, um, technically, uh the right level, he would say, It's fine. If I put the if I made a vow against you and then you had nothing to eat, and I put the the, the sandwich on the rock. Um, technically, that would be okay because once I put it on the rock, it's not mine, and then you can take it. So really it would be okay, but we're going to make a gezerah. The gezerah is because of a story that happened in the city of Bet-Horon. What happened in the city is that there was um, a guy who was angry at his father and he said to his father, you cannot benefit me at all. And then he made a wedding, right? The guy made a wedding and he wanted to invite his father. He kind of felt bad um, his father should be at, uh, at this wedding feast. So he used a workaround and he got a friend, a third party, and he said, listen, my friend, I'm going to gift to you my courtyard and all the food of the wedding fe- uh, wedding feast. It's all gifted to you. And that way, when my father comes, right, you invite him, he's your guest, since you own everything. And therefore, I'm not benefiting my father, you are benefiting him. right? It's basically the same case as the sandwich. I'm making the sandwich efker, and then um, someone else, uh, and then you can come and take it. So this will be the same thing. I'm transferring my uh, everything, the whole wedding to my friend, and, my, and then my father will be my guest's friend. What happened in that case in Bet Chodon is the friend, for some reason, was a wise guy. And uh, the friend said, I don't know if this is allowed. Maybe I'm involving myself in a prohibited uh, transaction here by inviting, the, by, by, by inviting your father. And this is kind of loophole. So the friend got uh, cold feet and the friend made everything consecrated. He said, this whole courtyard, all the food, the wedding cake, everything, Hegdesh. Now this is a big problem because he made it a dish. Now no one can come to the wedding. No one can eat any of the food of the wedding. So then the wedding host, the son, said, "Oh, I changed my mind. I never wanted to give it to you as a gift. I didn't really mean it. Ah, this was just a just a loophole. I didn't actually mean that this should be yours." The rabbi saw that when people make the, use this kind of loophole, they don't really mean what they say. And therefore the rabbi said, you know, from now, now on, we're not gonna allow people to use this loophole because we see that they don't really mean it. If you don't really mean it, then it doesn't work. Kind of like, you know, selling your hametz on, on, on Pesach. Okay, so you made a contract and you sold your hametz. All right, it's a valid sale. It's in a contract. But let's say the non-Jew you sell it to would really come over and then take all your whiskey. If you would say, hey, that's mine, that shows that you never actually had in mind to, to give it to him. Right? That will be the real test. So you have, to, you have to test it out. See if he would really come and you'd give it to him. Then, then it's okay. This happened to me. I sold the the uh, the all, all the uh, chametz of uh, a shul once, and I had I bought a bottle of whiskey. I don't. I never drink it, so I gave it to the nash. I actually gave him the bottle, and he didn't give it back at the end when I bought back the chametz. But I couldn't sell. I couldn't. I couldn't say anything because I actually, um, I actually uh, uh, sold it to him, and it was his. And he decided not to sell it, sell it back to me. So. Um, that proved, see, I proved that it was a real sale, at least if in my mind, and I was the messenger for the rest of the congregation, right? So, in that case, you have to really mean it, but in this case, the people, this guy in Bet choron did not mean it, because we see that, um, and so the rabbi said, listen, if you're not willing to actually, if, you're not, if this gift, if you're not willing that the person you give the gift to would, uh, would make it hikdesh." and you wouldn't want him to make a dish because you'd actually need it, then it's not a real gift. And so the rabbi said, you can't do anything like that. And therefore, that would apply in other similar cases, including in this case here, when I take my sandwich and I put it on the rock, and I say, this is Hefkir. What if, all of a sudden, there was someone happened to be nearby, and he heard me say, and this is Anyway, and he comes and takes it. And I would say, hey, I didn't mean for you to take that, right? Give, put that back, right? I wanted to, to go only to my poor friend. So you see that I didn't really mean to make it really ownerless, right? And so therefore, the B.O.S. says we make it gezerah because sometimes people are not sincere about, the, about making it ownerless or giving it right to a friend. Therefore, it's prohibited across the board. Uh, this loophole is closed. Uh, baruch Adonai L'Olam. Amen v'Amen.